Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the show, Sam Bates. Thank you, Victor. It's a pleasure to be on and I hope to add value to your listeners. Well, great to have you here. Sam, you've been at this game for a little while. Why don't you give a little bit of your backstory for some of the listeners who don't know you yet and how you got to this point in your journey? Yes. I've been investing in real estate for about 10 years. I was a finance undergrad, got an MBA, started a consulting position I didn't enjoy, and I couldn't picture myself spending 40 years in corporate America. So I quickly started to realize real estate was a way to get out of the rat race. And I started investing as a limited partner in apartment complexes and a hotel venture. Then I did roughly 20 single family homes. And then with various partners, we're about to close on our 12th project. Most are multifamily, but we've done a land development. We have an RV park and then a 200 acre lot development outside of apartment complexes. That's fantastic. That's awesome. So I know you've got this new project that you're working on in Atlanta. And I thought it would be useful for our listeners to do a little bit of a walkthrough. It's a value-add project and do a little bit of a case study of that particular project because you're doing some things that are not just obvious, the usual run-of-the-mill garden variety value-add in terms of how you've approached this project and thought there'd be some value for the listeners to go through that. So why don't you give us a little bit of background on this particular deal, how it came together? Yes, definitely. It's in the Atlanta MSA and one of the partners I'm buying it with, he had a relationship with a broker. And so it's a true off-market transaction. We're purchasing it. It's a smaller property. It's 134 units and it was built in 1972. But really the current owners and the previous owners hadn't upgraded anything on the property. And when they did, it was very hodgepodge and mixed match of different things. So we're doing this standard and traditional, just going in and renovating the units making the exterior pretty and pop and vibrant like most people are doing now. But there's a couple of value-add things that we're doing that most owners aren't. One, some of the owners are starting to do this, but we're implementing a bulk cable and internet package and we get a sign-on bonus from the cable provider. So that's a quick hit. And then we pay a fee and we'll then charge the residents a fee and we get a spread of roughly 35 to $40 per month per unit on that spread. And we've already implemented it at one of our properties and it's done fantastic. And we feel like it's going to do fantastically well in the Atlanta market. More and more operators in Texas are doing this, but I don't see it across the board. We look at in Texas and throughout the Southeast and a lot of the properties in the Southeast, this isn't occurring or happening. So it's a way to add value that we think will be around for a long time. One of the prerequisites to doing that, of course, is having the proper infrastructure in the property itself. The best, obviously, is optical fiber. But if you're dealing with a property that was built in the 1970s, it's virtually guaranteed there wasn't fiber in the property. So are you carrying that on top of the coax TV cable or are you retrofitting the fiber? How are you doing that? The company is actually installing fiber and they had two options where we could either pay a monthly fee and they install the fiber or we use capital and we pay for the fiber itself. And we felt like we didn't want to put in 130 or 140,000 of a capital into that project. So we're going to be paying them a monthly fee and they're going to be supplying all the fiber. That's fantastic. And is there a particular penetration that you require 
from the residents in terms of uptaking on this new service for that incremental investment to make any sense for you and for the carrier? Yes, we want 100% penetration. Of course, we can't get it day one, but over time, as leases renew, we're going to require them to have it. And nowadays, everybody has internet, so it's not really something that you have to push because if you make it easy for them to set up and you just, and the tenant pays you directly, we haven't had pushback yet. And fiber's better than what their service provider can provide now. So it's a win win situation. I love that. And we've certainly looked at something similar in our own projects. We've not heard about a kickback from a carrier as high as $30 or $35. Anything we've looked at has always been in the $10 to $15 range, which we thought was pretty good. How were you able to negotiate such a high number? We really didn't have to do any negotiations. They just showed us what they would charge us per month. And then they have a recommended price that they target for the customer as well. And the spread was just in between that. But the property that we already have the contract with, it worked out where we're charging the residents $75 for cable and internet. And I actually have the same provider at my house and they charge me 75 just for internet. It really hasn't been too much of a onerous process or negotiating process. They've been pretty generous with what they charge us. And we feel like we can easily tack that onto the residents. I don't know what cap rate you have analyzed the property at, but just doing some quick math here as we're speaking, am I far off if I said that just adding this feature alone is going to add almost a million dollars to the value of the property? I would think so. We we're buying it slightly above a five cap. So I think you can use roughly a five cap to those numbers. And when you extrapolate it, it's 750 to a million, probably in additional value. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, this is very similar in terms of impact that let's say if you had washer and dryers in the units and something like that, bring in an extra $50 a month in incremental rent, you could add a similar kind of bump to the value of the property just by putting those in-unit facilities. The challenge, of course, is that on an older building, you may not have the power supply that's necessary to add a dryer to a property. You may have to upgrade the power, which can be a much bigger impact. But something like this is not going to be a rip up of all your electrical and it has a similar impact. Yes. And the great thing about it is it's basically once it's in place, you can forget about it. With washer and dryers, if you buy the washer and dryer, you're going to have maintenance. You're going to have tenants messing them up or breaking them somehow, or they just break down where this, you set it up and you forget about it. And really you don't have to worry about it unless there's a power outage or something that goes down, but the provider guarantees hundred percent, the internet to work hundred percent of the time, all the time. We don't know if that's going to happen and come to fruition, but that's what they promote. And we'll see if it actually happens. In the world of multifamily investing, there's a little bit of an amenities arms race that's out there to attract tenants, to attract folks that want to make this place home for a good long time. And as part of this value-add project, what have you done on the amenities side? Have you put in Wi-Fi thermostats, Amazon Dropboxes, all these things that would be considered valuable in the year 2021, but maybe not 20 years ago? Yeah, you're definitely right. There's a amenity arms race, and sometimes... I feel like especially brokers put in things in the OM that it just doesn't come to fruition. We have the standard amenities. We have swimming pool, playground, a dog park, things like that. Cable is the main amenity we're adding to this property, cable and internet. But we're also looking into adding Amazon lockers. 
we feel like this demographic probably wouldn't pay for the smart technologies such as smart thermostats or lighting, things like that. We might look into it after a couple of years, but at this point, it's an amenity we don't plan on adding. As part of this value add, are you doing things to reduce your common area expenses, maybe replacing your incandescent lighting with LED lighting, things like that, that would lower the ongoing operational cost? Yes, we are changing out all lights to LED. And one thing we've never done before, but this property is unique since it is in Georgia, there's a lot of trees. And when we toured the asset and then during due diligence, there's just leaves everywhere and the gutters were in horrible shape the roofs look pretty bad so we're going in and chopping down some of the trees and that might not sound like a value add but i think it's going to be a significant value add because we are having to replace the roofs we are having to change out the gutters and it's going to be two items going forward that we aren't going to have to deal with and our landscaping bill i think is going to go down just from the less leaves that are around the property Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And sometimes you don't even have to necessarily cut the trees altogether. Even a good pruning can reduce that load on the property significantly and open things up and bring in a lot more sunlight and so on. That's correct. And we're looking at that option too, is pruning some trees and there are some crepe myrtles around a lot of the buildings that are just completely overreaching. So we're going to prune those back and then possibly take some of the trees down. Oftentimes I see properties appear on the market and you look at them and wonder why there was so much deferred maintenance. What was it with that particular owner that they simply didn't see the need or the desire or perhaps even the ability to keep the property in top condition? What was your take on this particular property? I didn't speak to the owner directly, but from analyzing it and knowing what I do know as an out-state owner, I think they bought it at a really low basis. They bought it, I think, in 2013. So they've probably made their cash and they really haven't had to put in much tender love and care for the property. They have a third party property manager that's also out of state. And I think they just got lackadaisical and they didn't really, I don't know if they didn't tour the property often or visit it, but it has gotten the, I won't say disrepair, but there's a lot of ways we can take advantage of their deferred maintenance issues. And like they even use LRO and we were talking to the on-site staff and their two bedrooms and three bedrooms are five dollar difference in pricing. And we're like, why? We were like, why do you only charge a five dollar difference? And they said they have to base pricing off LRO, and that's what it recommended. Just a few things from the first thirty minutes conversation we had, we realized that there was a lot to take advantage of if we were to buy it. Wow, that's incredible. One of the problems often with a value add project is that you have low vacancy. And it's very difficult to do the improvements when the units are fully occupied. So if you're looking to major improvements, almost the easiest thing to have is a property that's largely vacant. So you can get it all done, get it retenanted, and so on. The most difficult thing to do is to do a piecemeal and drag it out over five years. What's your strategy on this property? I agree. That is one of the biggest issues with doing a deep renovation right now because all the properties are so highly occupied. When we went under contract, it was about 90 or 92%. It dipped a little bit. Now it's going back up, which honestly, that's not appealing for us right this moment. We'd love to go in and renovate 30 or 40 units at a time. But I think when we buy it, we'll be able to go in and renovate seven or eight off the bat. And then we have a plan where we're going to renovate all the turns, every single 
month. So it is going to take a while. And one of the properties we have, we were able to go in and do renovations on the units while the tenants were in there. This is something we're discussing and tossing around. I don't think we're going to go that direction on this one, but if we get behind schedule on renovations, we're going to push the property manager to go in and start doing at least some of the easy renovations that they can do while the tenant's still there. And then when they move out, we can go in and do the heavy duty type renovations. Fascinating. Well, Sam, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yes, you can call me. I answer my phone unless I'm on it all the time. It's 972-855-7654. Or you can reach me on my email at sam at trinitycapitaltexas.com and Texas is spelled out. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing the story. It sounds like a fascinating project and hopefully our listeners got something out of this particular approach to doing a value-add project. So thank you, Sam. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Sam at trinitycapitaltexas, all one word, dot com, trinitycapitaltexas.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.